0: become more at ease. The forest and nature is the guide. After all the work, it's so worth it. That's the practice.
1: No one is that busy.
0: Happiness is innate in all of us. There's life right beside me.
1: Hello and welcome to the Happiness Is podcast, a limited release series just for the Happiness Conference 2020 aimed at trying to help you find ways to be a little happier in your lives. I'm your host and happiness guinea pig, Danny. In each episode, we will cover one theme and how it relates to happiness, talk to a guest expert on the subject, have them recommend a happiness practice related to that theme, and then try it out ourselves. And if you listening out there want to get involved and try out these practices, then listen on to find out more during the episode.
0: Days are hot.
1: Okay, so in this episode, we will be covering the theme of nature and happiness. Personally, I really, really, really love nature. The greenery, the wildlife, the fresh air, everything. You know, being from Singapore, you don't get that many opportunities to sort of embrace this. I mean, we have some nature reserves here and there, but you don't really compare to the expansive outdoors that you get in other countries, such as the United States, Canada, or China. So I can't wait for what our expert has in store for us. And without further ado, let's get right into the expert interview. This episode, we are talking about the theme of nature and happiness. And I have with me today our expert on the subject coming all the way from uh, James Cook University in Singapore, Dr. Denise Dillon. Denise, welcome to the show.
0: Oh, thank you. Nice to be here, Danny.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so to start off with, could you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do?
0: Okay, so I'm an Australian, obviously, you can tell from my accent. (laughs) But I've been in Singapore for about 11 years now at JCU. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm a lecturer in psychology, so my specialization is environmental psychology, which is a little known field, I guess. It's not as common as some of the mainstream ones like clinical practice. Mm-hmm. But for environmental psychology, we study interactions between humans and environments, which could be natural or built environments.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm. I was doing a little bit of research and I saw that your your specialty is actually in this uh, field called biophilia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So could you just briefly explain what that is?
0: Sure. E.O. Wilson really described it as an, an affiliation for life and lifelike processes. So he says, well, originally he proposed that it was a hardwired effect, so which means that genetic and innate in all humans. Mm-hmm. But he modified that over time because we realized that, well, you don't necessarily have so you can lose it. And so it's something that we can regain through practice. And so it's more a soft wiring Hmm. But essentially, it's our natural love for nature.
1: All right. So uh, as you've already mentioned, the sort of nature aspect of psychology is is not very common uh, in the mainstream. So what led you into this field?
0: I guess because my own biophilia is strong. (laughs) Everything that I do seems to come back to an environmental focus. My PhD was focused, uh, I started in cognitive psychology, but it went into the understanding of values in wet tropics, world heritage context. So Mm. I looked at the way people used Language in text. I looked at the way people understood values from asking them. Yeah. And I even did a lexical decision task to see how people would just implicitly respond to nature related words. And as you'd expect in psychology, it always is nothing definitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I came up with a concept map of all of the different ways that we can understand values relating to the environment.
1: Hmm. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. And then you said that uh, this all stems from uh, your own biophilia. And where would you say that that comes from? Is it like from your own uh, childhood? or
0: Yeah, I think childhood experience is really important, which is my fortune that I grew up in a rural area and Mm. I spent a lot of my childhood sitting up in trees with my siblings. We were picking fruits. We had a whole neighbourhood ranging from an HDB estate Here would probably be the size of my neighborhood with different backyards. So it was mostly, and all the kids in the neighborhood would run together. And uh, whenever things were in fruit, we'd be up the trees picking guavas and mandarins and grapefruits and oranges and all sorts of things. And when we weren't sitting up trees, we were sitting under the hedges playing (laughs) with all the different leaves. So I spent a lot of time immersed in nature.
1: Yeah. All right. And so um, you are also a certified forest therapy guide here in Singapore, one of the actually pioneering uh, people to to, to do this in Singapore. Mm -hmm. So could you briefly explain what that is and how you got into it?
0: Mm. So forest therapy comes from the Japanese practice of Shinrin-yoku, which is literally forest air breathing, forest Mm. air bathing. And so... In Japan, they noticed in the 80s that people were getting very stressed in urban environments, Mm -hmm. and they suspected it was due to the lack of nature immersion. And so doctors started prescribing for people to just go and sit in a forest, and they noticed that it did have a great effect, and they started then testing the qualities of those particular forests. And I don't know if you've been to Japan, but they have some wonderful (laughs) forests, not like in Singapore. So in America, one of the guys there decided that he would make his own Own variation of this, and he put together a practice, a standard sequence, where we take people from the everyday.
1: Mm -hmm. into
0: what we call a liminal space so you take people away from the everyday and you get them connected to nature in this liminal space where they're allowing themselves to be different from Mm. what they do in everyday practice and then you take them out of that space over a three-hour period typically Mm. and so it isn't a walk where you're pointing out features of nature and saying what nature is and describing trees, you're really opening it up to a series of invitations so that participants themselves can interpret their own nature immersion experience. Hmm. And so it's just a sequence of guided invitations and then bringing people back, and you're actually holding the space for them. They don't have to look at watches to see how long has immersed. Some people report, you know, if you if you say, we'll do this for 20 minutes, they come back and go, that wasn't 20 minutes, no way. <laughs> you know, it, feel, it felt much shorter. So it's almost as though you're leaving time behind as well.
1: Right. So there
0: is that essence of, of the liminality. You're taking them out of there every day and just allowing them to really engage and be in the moment, in nature.
1: Right, right. And, and so I'm, I'm just curious, right, in um, Singapore, you know, we are known for being very worrisome people, very practical people. We're always worrying about what steps to take and stuff. So I'm wondering if during the course of your guides, have you met anyone who was unwilling to get into that liminal space or is just constantly thinking like, oh, how long is this going to take? Or, oh, you know, I have to be somewhere after this, that kind of mm-hmm. thing.
0: Not so much that. I have had a couple of youngsters, Mm -hmm. uh, when I say youngsters, maybe 10, 11 years old and one 15, so they were brothers, Mm. came with their mum, and they just had enough after the first 10 minutes (laughs) (laughs) and had to leave. It wasn't for them. So they're the only ones. The ones who engage and come on the walks typically do allow themselves to try and do the sharing. So I haven't had anyone really not engaging, no. Mm. Mm, that's good. Mm.
1: Yeah. And so could you just briefly take us through uh, what it is that you actually do on this forest, uh, guided forest therapy? Yeah.
0: Guided yeah, yeah. forest therapy, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're called walks. And so yeah. the the purpose, as I said, it's not pointing out what nature is or is not. What we say is the therapist opens the doors, the forest and nature is the guide. It's a very slow walk as well, so mm. it's not a hike, that's for sure. Right. So over a 3-hour period, we may not even travel as much as a kilometer. Sometimes oh, there's wow. sitting, sitting and just maybe having a conversation with a tree or any any being that you come across on the way. And so these are things that a lot of the time we don't allow ourselves to do. We're always moving through space yeah. and having somewhere to get to. And that's where I say for this one, we're holding the space for the people and we're allowing them. You go off and connect with nature in ways that you wouldn't typically do. One of the things that I've noticed here, because other guides report and people have no issue with this in other countries, mm. uh, I've invited people to hug a tree and they think <laughs> that's really bizarre. <laughs> and I And I worry maybe in Singapore it's because you really – have few opportunities to get away from people who are looking. So there's always observers on the sidelines, on the paths, because we don't go into areas where people would feel really uncomfortable. And we don't like to go into forests where we shouldn't be going off paths. Yeah. And so when people are on parks in singapore there are usually other other users there Mm. and some of them are quite curious about what we're doing (laughs) at times (laughs) so if you're moving slowly or if you're you know hugging a tree that might be something that people are a little bit uncomfortable with (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and others embrace it they're quite okay with it 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 varies
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so um uh, you, you, of course, are uh, involved with the academic side of this as well. You've done mm. some research into this. So I'm just mm-hmm. curious, uh, speaking of the psychological uh, insights, right, what is the sort of link between biophilia and, and what does that do for your psychology? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So the practice of immersing in nature has been shown to have health benefits. Mm-hmm. So even indoors, there's a really landmark study by Ulrich who studied post-surgical patients in a hospital, Mm. and this was archival data. And he found that those who had a window view of nature – had better post-operative recovery than those who had a window view of a brick wall. Hmm. So a neighbouring building, for instance. And this has been shown multiple times in multiple places, not just in hospitals, but in prisons as well. So there's lots of evidence to show that having nature in urban environments can be beneficial. And so my research has been a lot on the inclusion of biophilic built components mm. in, nat- in uh, sorry urban environments and the effects that that has on people.
1: Mm. Okay, and so uh, before we move on to talking about the happiness practice, I just want to know, in your own experience, how has your happiness practice benefited you or affected your life?
0: Mm-hmm. So since I've done the forest therapy guiding, I have adjusted my practice in ways that I notice nature a little more than I used to. I have to say I've always had that. So mm. I think I've been very fortunate in that. I can spend hours in my home, for instance. I've got a, a wonderful Angsana tree outside. Mm. I spend time just watching the squirrel do its morning (laughs) ritual of um, investigating all of the branches. And I have to say, I hadn't even noticed this. My sister came to stay with me once and she must also have a strong nature affiliation because she used to sit there and drink her morning coffee when she was visiting and she noticed the squirrel. She said, what's this squirrel doing? It it patrols the whole tree every morning. It, (laughs) It goes to every branch and has a look. And I'd not noticed that, I guess mostly because I'm getting ready and going for work.
1: Right.
0: So now that I know that, though, I really just do notice. And that really makes me happy, I guess, because I know that there's life right beside me.
1: Yeah, I imagine that for a lot of us Singaporeans constantly having a lot of things in their mind, I, I imagine that this could be uh, something that could really benefit them. Take the edge off just a little bit, just to help them get through the day yeah, on a day-by-day basis. I, I
0: think slowly, slowly does it, little mm. bit by little bit. There's a thing called fascination. So it's just allowing your attention to go where your attention goes. Don't try and focus and concentrate on anything, just mm. allow it to go. And fascination itself has been shown to be beneficial. It allows your cognitive directed attention processes to restore. So for students, after they've been studying very hard, for instance, Mm. I'm always telling my students, we know that the Research tells us, have a study break outdoors, go and look at some nature, and then you'll be able to go back and study harder for your exams (laughs) (laughs) with restored directed attention.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. And so with that, uh, let's move on to talking about the happiness practice. Now, Mm -hmm. what do you have for us?
0: So I'm inviting you to... Spend a week, so seven days, Mm -hmm. and this is in sequence, so not just seven days here and there, it's a full week. Mm -hmm. So just find a a tree or probably a tree anywhere near you, Mm -hmm. so you have to be able to get to it easily. It's something that you can do every day. Spend 20 minutes just looking at the tree, sitting near the tree and exploring Anything about that tree, and that includes all of the things that come to it and the things that are around it. And as you immerse over the 20 minutes, it's really just sitting, so you don't even have to look at the tree. Yeah. Part of it can be, what's it feel like to be here in this space? And it can be different times of day, so it might feel very different in the morning as compared to noon or evening, for instance. Right. But just try and allow 20 minutes. So set a timer. Don't think about the time. Don't keep looking at your watch. Have a timer that you can set and just allow yourself to be there. If you want to stay longer than 20 minutes, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but try and stay at least 20 minutes.
1: Right. And, and what, what sort of uh, mind space should we be should, should we be having while we're doing this practice? Should we be focusing 100% on, on the tree, trying to look out for, for everything, or should we just let it just come to us? In
0: a yeah, sense? I think the important... Important thing is, forget about your mind. Don't, don't don't and and try and empty the mind. So if you start to think about things, yeah, that are that are not what you're really there for, just ask yourself, what's in motion, or what am I noticing? Hmm. What's in motion is fine. That's another. That's enough right. to really just bring you back into the now and seeing what's around you.
1: Right, right, right. So you
0: can lock up, down, around, anywhere, just what's in motion at that time. Right. right. Mm.
1: And so what should we be expecting from from doing this practice? After we've been doing, you said seven days straight, Mm -hmm. just each and every day, just do it for 20 minutes? Mm -hmm. So what should we be expecting after we do this? Or what should we be sort of... I don't know, feeling while we're doing this, yeah. <laughs> well,
0: it will vary, obviously, for yeah. different people, because some people might jump at the practice and think, wow, that's, that's fantastic, and others might, oh, God, 20 minutes. <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> Even when I started this, it was uncomfortable for me. The thought of having to do it and doing it every day, it can become oh, how am I going to fit this in? So I think the most important thing is try and get out of that and really just allow yourself. It's 20 minutes. How bad can it be? (laughs) (laughs) 20 minutes will go whether you're doing this or something else. And so the mind space should be no mind as much as possible. And what you're expecting to get out of it, if you analogize it to how do you get to know a person, Hmm. you can't really get to know a person without spending time. With that person, so if you think about that, you'll be not under only finding the tree, but you'll be finding the tree friends, <laughs> and getting some some indication of the tree's social life.
1: <laughs> Maybe have that sort of conversation with the tree. In
0: yeah, a sense. and really don't hold back from that. If even if it's a silent conversation, that could be something that you could do as well. Right? Yeah, I've known some of our guide friends who really have fun with this, and and they will have you know make a formal introduction. to the tree? How would you introduce yourself? How would you ask, you know, can you come and visit today? You know, when you go to someone's place, you don't just walk into their house. You seek permission or you get invited. So you can have all of those conversations just in your own mind. But really, the essence of it is just spend time and really notice. What are you noticing? What's in motion? Yeah, That's enough.
1: All right. And so uh, to... So to wrap things up, I want to I just go through the the steps again of the practice. So it's seven days. You do this every single day. Mm-hmm. Find a tree that is uh, close to where you live or that you can gain access to easily, and then just spend twenty minutes every single day just being there, present with the tree, and of course just empty your mind as much as you possibly can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And try to engage with the with the tree in that sense. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And so, do you have a name for this practice or?
0: In forest therapy practice, we call it sit spot.
1: Sit spot. Yeah. Wonderful.
0: Mm. So if people aren't comfortable sitting on the ground, you can do a slow walk spot as well. It doesn't have to be sitting. Ah. It can be just slowly ambling around. So if it's a big enough tree, you can spend 20 minutes just wandering around the tree. All Mm. right.
1: Yeah, maybe maybe that won't look as odd as just sitting on the grass. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I know some people get uncomfortable with the ants crawling over them and you have to move. So if you're going to see it, look for an ant trail. If there's any ant trail, obviously don't sit on that. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. All right. And so uh, that's good. Uh, Thank you, Dr. Uh, Dylan, for coming and joining us with us today. Uh, We'll be catching up with you again uh, Mm -hmm. after we do the practice. Oh,
0: I look forward to hearing how it's gone for you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) What is it about trees that make us so alive? We are distant relatives of the trees, and that as.
1: Okay, so that was the guest interview with Denise, our expert for nature. And I gotta tell you, before uh, I started doing these practices, this is the one I was most looking forward to because I love nature, especially uh, since I'm here in the United States, it's so much open space compared to Singapore, There's a, so it's like tons of opportunity, right? And so here we are at Patterson Park. On a lovely Saturday morning. It's quiet, there's not many people around. It is beautiful, a little bit chilly, and there's just tons and tons of nature trees, fallen leaves, all over the place, and, and so much space. But Unfortunately, Patterson Park is just a little too far for us, so we will have to settle for somewhere closer, such as where I am right now at home in my apartment. There's no giant trees and expansive spaces and ponds with cute little duck families in them, but I think this will do. All right, here we go, sit spot. Let's get right into the challenge. So you might be thinking, right? Why are you doing this in your apartment? Is there a tree outside your window with a bunch of squirrels running around, you know, collecting acorns and stuff like that? Well, not exactly. Uh, But what we do have, however, thanks to my wonderful wife, Effie, who has a little bit of talent with interior design, is a sort of zen corner. There are, let me see, five potted plants just in this space alone. And on top of that, we also have a small desktop water feature hanging by the window. Let me just switch it on right now. Yeah, can you hear that? It's a nice, lovely little feature. And um, not to forget (laughs) the uh, liveliest and most chattiest component of this living room. Effie's two little parakeets named Snowy and Derpy. Snowy is named so because uh, she is an adorable little parakeet that is white with a few blue highlights around the tail, and Derpy is green with uh, a bit of yellow and black features around its body. Both of these are super annoying, but they will be the backdrop to which I do this nature and happiness challenge. And uh, after rearranging some of the plants and the furniture so that I can sit by comfortably and just observe nature right in front of me, I am ready to begin. Alright, so the timer is set. This is day one of the nature and happiness challenge. Set spot. To tell you the truth, right, one of the reasons why I really want to do this is because the birds, right, the two little parakeets, they are always right behind me. And then what I always notice is that these birds <laughs> are always just chatting away, just squawking in the background. But then incidentally, when I turn to them, <laughs> they always just keep quiet a bowl with a bunch of pebbles in it and I imagine that's where the water is recycled and pumped up to the top again. Yeah, so that is the water feature. I'm just gonna call it Mr. Water Feature for now, I guess, or Mr. Zen, I don't know. After sitting here and observing the uh, parakeets, they are starting to talk and be chatty again. So this one here is a bonsai plant, I think, a rather small one and i don't know i feel like it should be given a japanese name i'll think of a japanese name maybe in the next few days so the second plant feature is this beautiful white orchid yeah it's got i think uh, pebbles at the base as well and oh (laughs) i think this might be fake actually (laughs) That's the 20 minutes. Yeah, and that's day one of the nature and happiness challenge. Uh, I must admit, towards the end, I was kind of getting a little bit bored, just looking at the clock, waiting for it to run down. I mean, (laughs) like I said, the liveliest part of this nature setup that I have is the two parakeets, so I was just staring at them. But I'll see you for day two of the nature and happiness challenge okay good morning good morning welcome to day two of the nature and happiness practice sit spot yeah so you can hear that in the background right this is what i have to deal with on a daily basis (laughs) yeah but uh now i get to just observe them so it's just a nice change of pace yeah, so I'm not like a plant expert or anything, so I don't really know what these are. These, this one here looks more like a palm tree sort of. It's kind of got like the the leaves sort of like the the head of a of a of a pineapple. Yeah, and then the last one that we have is at the end of the kitchen. Oh, it's not really a plant. It's just a bunch of stalks of. Looks like fern. Alright, so that's the timer and that's it for day two. See you for day three. Welcome to day three of the Nature and Happiness Practice. Um I gotta be honest, it's a little bit difficult to try and squeeze 20 minutes out of your day to so just sit down and <laughs> look at two parakeets <laughs> squawking away but I am trying, nonetheless. The plants, I don't think looking at the plants have done me anything, but certainly um, looking at the birds, trying to interact with them, I think it's helped me build a sort of relationship with them. Yeah, you can hear them chirping away in the background. They're right beside each other. I'm just wondering what kind of conversation they're having probably like why is this guy staring at us again or something right (laughs) all right so that's it for day three i'll see you again for day four of um, bird watch (laughs) aka sit spot okay and welcome to day four of the nature and happiness practice sit spot uh As you can already notice, we are experiencing a change in the environment because uh, our apartment is making way for a new member. We are adopting a cat, so we had to move a bunch of the furniture around, the birds around, so I don't have my little zen corner in the living room anymore, which makes it a little annoying because now I have to go outside, actually go outside and find a tree. Anyway, I found this tree. Uh, which is pretty close to our apartment, about a 10-minute walk away. Uh, most of the trees are leafless, they are quite bare, but this one still has about half of its leaves and it's a beautiful shade of red. This is where I'm going to be doing my sit spot practice for today. So yeah, let me just get the timer and there we go, 20 minutes. Day number four. The tree is beautiful. It's not very tall, um, but a lot of the leaves are scattered around its base where its roots are. And it's kind of making me a bit melancholic. It's sort of like reminding me of the vulnerability, I guess, of life and nature. The tree here, although it's standing, its leaves are almost all down and it's kind of making me feel a bit down, but... (laughs) Denise did mention that, you know, to fully engage with this practice, what could be helpful was to try and have a conversation with nature. Uh, Of course, I can't speak directly uh, with the tree, but i like to imagine what this tree would have been like at a different time of the year. Maybe it's summer or spring and all the leaves are back and fully in bloom. Maybe when it's not as cold or maybe when the sun is out, there'll be squirrels running around, you know, uh, gathering acorns, Maybe there will be birds chirping away on the branches. You know, maybe there will be I don't know insects or whatever around. And I think that's um, kind of beautiful. Just comparing this tree to the other trees around the area, which are pretty much barren. I'm wondering why has this one still got leaves on it and i mean the real answer probably would be something scientific right like uh, maybe the architecture around it protects it a little bit or something like that but part of me wants to believe that maybe there's something in this tree personality or characteristic or 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 whatever tree that enables it just to last a little bit longer. Sort of like the will of life or or something. (laughs) Good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to day five of the nature and happiness practice. It is cold, it is breezy, but it is a beautiful morning. The metaphor that I currently running through my mind when i'm observing this tree is that of a uh, you know an aging person and these are kind of like its hair so uh it's it's sort of like this um
0: aging maybe
1: lady or gentleman uh, with this thin wispy gray hair except that in this case uh, this person has fiery red hair it's kind of a weird contrast because this whole tree and uh, sort of image that it's giving me is sort of like this, um, you know, feisty, fiery living being just uh, fighting off the last vestiges before death. <laughs> that is so grim. <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of nice that it's contrasted with all this uh, life all about it you know perhaps from a different point of view maybe it's not really about dying maybe it's about the idea of like renewal and just just letting go you know because um you know just the image of the trees fa- the, the leaves falling off the tree branches it's kind of like shaking off all the the bad memories or the past, and especially because the tree, the leaves will come back in full bloom uh, just half a year later. There is a sort of motif or idea about, about rebirth, isn't it? Or starting anew, or you know whatever you want to call it. And for the moment, there is a sort of beauty in and the shedding of the uh, the baggage or the past or the dead leaves, you know? Alright, that's it. That's it for day five. I will see you on day six. We are coming towards the end of this practice now. Last two days. Let's go. Okay, so we are back here for day six. It is uh, not as windy, not too cold. But I just gotta say the tree does look a little more bare though. Uh, like I said in the previous day, I think by the end of this practice tomorrow, there's a good chance that all the leaves might be gone. Right now it's looking at about 92 to 95% bare. On the way here, I was listening to this um, podcast episode The guest was talking about this term in Japanese called mono no aware, and it sort of describes the idea of the beauty of uh, the ephemeral or the uh, sort of the beauty of impermanence. So, in Japan, they use this to describe the sakura bloom, I believe. I kind of feel like the tree that I'm looking at right now, it's a little bit of that, and also, and this. uh, relates as well is that they were talking about this other Japanese term called wabi-sabi. Generally the idea is a sort of appreciation towards aging and as things get older you sort of uh, gain reverence or respect for it and for you know the past couple of days I sort of concocted this image uh, of this tree which is shedding its leaves as this very old uh, red-head grandma right with wispy thin wispy hair in her later stages of life. And I guess it's fitting to capture this moment as well. In Singapore, right, we have so much nature around us, but it is so easy to just get caught up in your daily activities, uh, your digital lives to not even pay attention. And just take nature for granted. And yeah, it's weird how having to sit and observe a tree for 20 minutes each day kind of makes me, made me realize that. Okay. This is the final day of the nature and happiness practice sit spot. I am walking up to the tree right now. It is very windy and it's been windy last night as well so I'm kind of nervous and I'm just coming up to the tree now. Yeah it looks like about 97-98% bare and most of it is just gone. I guess on this last day maybe it'd be kind of fitting to give it a proper name. Is Ruby a little bit too cheesy, corny? I don't know, I'm gonna call it Ruby. So for this last day, all we could do is just to give it a eulogy of sorts. I admire your spirit, your feistiness, your color, your vibrancy. Even on the last legs of life, you are still able to show these qualities and I think it's very um, admirable. I wish that when I am in that old age that I can exhibit those qualities myself. I guess maybe while we're making this eulogy I can just sort of throw in a promise <laughs> so come spring or summer when the cycle of life begins again and your leaves come back I'll come back take a picture share it with the world the beauty in life and
0: death, I guess.
1: Four, three, two, one. All right. That is the end of our seventh day. And that is the end of our set spot practice. Goodbye, Ruby. I will see you again in the summer. All right. So um thanks again for taking the call, Denise. So just to give you a sort of rundown of uh, how I went through the sit spot practice. So mm-hmm. initially, because right now it's uh, close to winter, winter and it's <laughs> kind of cold outside, I just thought, okay, maybe if I set up a little sort of Zen corner in my apartment, apartment, maybe we could pull that off. And because my my wife, she has a, a bunch of plants in the in the house. We have this water feature, and she even has uh, two pet birds. So I thought that, is, that could sort of make up for the the nature aspect of it. <laughs> and so so that's what I did for the first three days of the practice, which is I set up this Zen corner. Then every day I just spend. Uh, Twenty minutes, you know, in the middle of the day, just like taking a break from my work, staring at the at the plants, and then uh, talking, trying to talk to the birds, I guess.
0: <laughs> well Dan, That's really innovative, though, bringing nature into you. Yeah,
1: yeah, but it was uh for for the first three days at least, it was it was pretty interesting. So most mm-hmm. of the time, I was just staring at the the birds. They're the liveliest thing in mm-hmm. in, in in my periphery. And so for these first three days, most of the time, it's just me interacting the birds, trying to get them to play them, jump on my finger, et cetera, et cetera. And I was making, I think, a little bit of progress. But then um on the third day, we actually went out and adopted a cat as well. So then we had to rearrange our furniture. Uh The cat was actually eating one of the plants. So we had to get rid of one of the plants. So, um my sort of zen corner was ruined. And then that sort of pushed me outside to go and look for a new place to do the sit spot practice. So, mm-hmm. around the apartment, because I live in a sort of downtown area, most of it is just um high-rise buildings and skyscrapers. But there is a lake nearby, and uh, I did go to the lake to try and look for a, a spot. And then, when I was walking around, I came across this tree. And then that that was the tree I chose for the practice. Now the reason why I chose this tree was because out of nowhere it's just this tree with bright red leaves. Um, I think it's a maple tree or something. I, I don't know exactly the the breed or type of a species <laughs> of, of tree it is, but it was just so it seems so lively and fiery amidst the sort of cold and uh, dreariness of, of of the surrounding environment. It was like the
0: that's interesting. You've known you've mentioned liveliness twice now so once you said that the birds were the liveliest thing and now you said the tree was lively yeah remember part of your sit spot practice is what are you noticing so can you just enlighten what did you notice
1: yeah so the the tree itself when i first noticed it it was kind of like a, a beacon of light amongst the dead sea kind of thing because all around it was just lifelessness, right? It was barren trees, buildings, roads, cars. And of course you have people and, and dogs moving around, but it was in that area was a kind of, uh, kind of bare with not many people walking through. But then here was this tree, which had about, I think 70% of its leaves still intact and it was just bright red. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, uh, that's the sort of thing that, that, that drew me to it. And then I was like, "Okay, yes, I'm, I'm going to be doing this for the remainder of the practice." And yeah. it was so weird because even though it was just a tree, it felt like uh, maybe it's because of the wind as well, and and maybe because of uh, the surrounding, you know, wildlife in, in the area, like birds and stuff. There's just a lot more to it. And mm-hmm. so and so over the next for day four and day five, it was just me sort of getting acquainted. Uh, with with this tree, and I sort of like, because of its appearance, it sort of gave me this um, impression of uh, a sort of feisty, aging, elderly person.
0: (laughs) How interesting. Yeah. It's interesting when you try and put away the explanations for why things happen and you start with impressions. They can be quite different from what you'd expect, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Because um I, I, I was just sitting there and then I just kept staring at it and it's just like there's a personality to the tree, which mm-hmm. is which which is really weird to say, but that was that was uh, the, the sort of feeling that I had. Mm. Uh and then, you know, I introduced I walked around the tree, sort of observe it, and then I introduced myself. I gave it a name, I called it Ruby. It's it's a it's a bit cheesy, I know, but <laughs> it's sort of sort of fitting for, for the red leaves and um yeah, sort of. I just had this image of this, uh, you know, feisty old lady with like red, uh, wispy hair that is, you know, thin and, and, and frail sort of. And then, mm-hmm. but the thing is over the next few days and towards the end of the practice, there was, um, I started to notice that every day that I was coming back, Less and less leaves would be on the tree because, uh, Mm -hmm. during that period, it was very windy. And then even during the practice itself, I could, I could see like some of the leaves falling down. So it's, it's so strange. I started to feel a bit of sadness as well. It's like, honestly, I I can tell you right now, it's the first time I've had feelings for a tree, (laughs) if that makes (laughs) sense. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, that does make sense because we very rarely make those connections. But when we do, you you yeah, and I agree, you do get a feeling for them.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's like it's like even though I know that come next spring or summer the leaves will be out and it'll be in full bloom again. Um mm-hmm. but but right now it's just like I'm witnessing the the end of its life or or perhaps the end of this mm-hmm. cycle and there's a sort of sadness to it but at the same time a sort of beauty uh, to it as well.
0: It's a wonderful opportunity though because like you say you're in a different country here in the tropics we don't get those very vivid seasonal changes and we exactly. don't notice so much you have to be I guess have an eye for the subtleness of that happening here whereas you had the opportunity to see this really in from full bloom as you say and then ruby Wilting away losing her legs, Yeah. ready for the next season.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it was quite an experience. Honestly, when I started this, I did not expect this at all, <laughs> mm-hmm. especially uh, from the first three days. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm actually kind of glad that I kicked myself out of the house and uh, tried to actually find find a, a proper tree to do the the sit spot practice with. And yeah, mm. yeah, thank you for the experience. It was quite. Quite an eye-opening, uh, uh, practice, I must say. Yeah.
0: I wonder if your connection with Ruby will continue now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny because, um, on, on the last day, as I sort of counted down the, uh, the minutes to the, to the 20 minutes of the practice, I sort of, you know, went up to the tree and I sort of said, you know, hey, I'll be back in the summer when you're in full bloom and then uh, we'll go through this entire process again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Interesting, what you'll notice at that time as well. Yeah. So, were you noticing anything around the tree? So, remember, I talked about relationships and trees have relationships as well.
1: Yeah. um Sort of how nature impositions itself against maybe civilization, maybe humanity, and how it sort of uh, interplays. Because When I was doing the practice, you know, my backdrop was there was a parking lot right behind the tree. Mm -hmm. And then, um, on certain days, there'll be, you know, you know, uh, owners with their dogs walking past. There'll be just people going past and stuff like that. And so Mm -hmm. it's just interesting to observe how even though the downtown is just like a five minute walk away from me, here is one spot of serenity. It's uh, just a tiny, Mm -hmm. tiny island, uh, sanctuary island but it's mm-hmm. only that sanctuary if you sort of take the initiative to sit down and observe nature yeah mm-hmm.
0: and and so common that we just walk by we're always moving through isn't it we transition rather than just sitting and noticing those those bits of serenity mm.
1: yeah exactly yeah. Well, anyway, thank you for, um, recommending the practice. It was a very fun thank experience. You for
0: taking it on so fully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: I have to reiterate again. This was really beyond expectations for me. <laughs> yeah. Would you recommend it to others? Definitely. 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 I mm-hmm. think, I think like you said, especially if you live in, in the city, um mm-hmm. you know not not many people get to have this sort of experience of living with nature maybe uh, you you shared your upbringing where you live on a farm you were exposed to nature mm-hmm. people in singapore don't experience that so if they get a chance i think this would be a good good way to sort of reconnect and sort of build that biophilia in a sense <laughs>
0: yeah and there's yeah. so many opportunities around isn't there i mean everybody's got a tree somewhere close by exactly um, and it's just the matter of of making the connection and observing
1: exactly. And uh, thank you again, uh, Denise, for for coming on, talking on the show, you know, recommending the practice, and then talking with us again.
0: Thanks, Danny, and thanks for being so receptive and recommend Sit Spot to others. See yeah. how they go.
1: <laughs> yeah, thank you. All right, and with that brings the end to this episode of Happiness Is. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the episode and hope you learned something new about nature and happiness. If you're interested in trying out the practice for yourself, you can find all the steps in the description and on the conference website. And please, please, please do share about your experiences. We would love to hear about them. With that being said, this podcast was produced and edited by me, Danny Cordy, on behalf of Fable Productions, and I hope to see you guys at the coming Happiness Conference 2020. See you there.